0: I met a man, he was a good man, sailing and shoring, dancing the beta can, can, making the foreign. Ah, oh, yeah. We've made it. It's season two of I Hate LA. We're starting off with. John Brosio. John Brosio has got a big, huge solo show September fifteenth. It's opening up at Arcadia Contemporary, their new spot in Old Town, Pasadena. John and I, we catch up on old times. We talk about the process of his work, where he studied, uh, what keeps him going in the studio, and you know, his life down here in LA. Mostly we talk about the kind of work that's going to be in a spectacular solo show, his first solo show in 13 years. This is I Hate LA. So you walked in wearing the cowboy hat, and I remember one of the first times we ever hung out was at Fidapaldi's downtown. And this is like this is like 2003, 2004. This is like a different era in downtown. Oh, absolutely! And you showed up at Fidapaldi's loft with similar hat i think it was kind of larger than that one though and and your and your whip
1: no it's i i had uh my origins i mean what i wanted to do is uh film filmmaking props monsters sculpting mold making yeah teeth eyes clothes masks and so on i still keep up a mask collection you know as a as a hobby and uh yeah and so the whip is from indiana jones costume and uh, yeah, he has different size hats. And I—I I shoot he even at a Halloween party there. I think I went there as a, as Indiana Jones. Next year, I was like Phantom of the Opera. And next year, I was something else. That was a huge loft, remember? Dude,
0: that, that was a huge whip. You, you, you. I learned how to use that, yeah. Yeah. Like in the middle of a big party. And all <laughs> I could hear is, like, serious.
1: It's uh So that made an impression on in me. My, in my dad's yard, it used to be like a sort of zen thing. You could hang out and. And crack it around and turn into and all this. I mean, it's like it was it, almost like martial arts after a. So I've
0: been mean, intrigued, slightly scared of you ever since. Of course, I love your work. Of course, we've <laughs> we've seen each other, hung out a million times since. You're fresh off hanging your your show. Your big. This is one of your. Uh, this is the first big solo show for you.
1: And how long? I let's see. I, I I end up trying to avoid them. Um, I guess I had a large solo show in 2005. Right. What, I, what I've been doing. With uh-huh. uh, Arcadia Contemporary, my, you know, my current gallery, is sort of, I've been showing it at the LA Art Show. Right. And each year it's been like almost oh. almost half a show. So it's like I've been splitting, it's like every year, like turning kind of half a show, half a show. Right. And uh, and so now he's like, let's do one. So, okay.
0: Let's do it. And so you just hung it this weekend.
1: Um, he's hanging it now. I just turned in the work and we're, you know, contacting people, doing, you know. 20 Informing people, requisite promos. uh. It's, I think, all in all, uh, 25, 25, but that, but that includes, yeah. I think there's four, you know, really small tornado studies right. and a couple other things. I'll, let's say 21.
0: So is this your largest, uh, largest exhibition to date?
1: The 2005 one was also like up okay. in the 25.
0: So in about, largest in about 12, 13 years, yeah. let's say. Yes, yes. So we're really looking forward to it. It opens Arcadia Contemporary. It's their new space.
1: In, yes. It's in all, Old Town
0: Pasadena, Old Town Pasadena, Colorado. I'm really stoked he moved over there. I mean, that just so it's an old theater or what did he renovate out there?
1: It's it just seems like the perfect gallery yeah. space. It's a it's a it's a large it's a storefront, you know, which opens up into a large space with uh, downstairs, upstairs, and everything else. Oh wow! The op- I think there's an upstairs. I know there's a downstairs, but you know, the operating level is the street level, and um, he was in. What I don't know, 10, 15 or more years in Soho, New York, right? And then on the west side here, you know, Bergamont Station and Culver City uh-huh. scene, and um, you know where the foot traffic is dying somewhat. Yeah, and yeah. Then, but not that's not the case with Old Town. Old Town's got people back and forth all it's day. It's
0: just yeah, it, it, it it's retained its charm and and it. Pasadena really deserves a gallery like that. So it's really exciting. I can't wait to go see it. And it opens September... September 15th for two weeks. Two weeks. Mm -hmm. So you better get your butt over there. Two weeks. Yeah. Wow. Two-week engagement. John Brosio first solo show in like 13 years, 25 paintings. What's the crux of the exhibition? Is it...
1: There's a a little bit... It pretty, pretty much samples much of what I've been doing in the last 10 years or so the 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 tornado pieces, um, right? Which kind of put me on the little map, yeah. Early uh, yeah. on, those are those are, um, I think the largest one is twenty inches by twenty inch, inches. Those are de-emphasized into small little diorama things. There are some larger, more I will call it surreal for lack of a better yeah, word. Yeah.
0: Well, you're one images. of the few art contemporary artists that has been in my world that I've known that took the motif of. Whatever you do, albeit tornadoes, which had this sort of allegorical meaning to me, like they 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 were able to capture a mood, a space, and a time that I love in contemporary realism. You were able to flip that on your on its head basically by putting in these super surreal, kind of comic book, kind of out of this world imagery that Talks about reflects on modern suburban culture, and I know I kind of cut you off from from you. No, no, about, I, I
1: think you're going in the right direction. And,
0: and you just man, you 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 blew it out of the water. I mean, this new your your current works I've seen in the last five six years. I mean, they just knock everybody's socks off. It's like it's like whoa, like you could paint that giant squid dude like on that, and it just looks. First of all, because your skill, the way you paint, the lighting, the just just the whole way you articulate the scene is superb, the craftsmanship. But it is that imagery, that shocking imagery in this classical sort of painterly form that's just phenomenal what What gave you the the bravado it gave you, the sort of insight to just just swing for the fences and do it?
1: I think any art worth or any art that I've ever enjoyed. Is successful at being able to codify our relationship to everything. So you look at a look at a painting, you hear a song, and you and you can say, "Oh, well, kind of in a weird way, you kind of get the whole universe in that square, in those considerations, like yeah. how we relate to our uh, our uh, our guardians, how a coffee cup sits on a table, how you you know you relate to the water, how you relate to your dog. Your relationships get codified with use of just a few elements in the and the mm-hmm. relationships within." Again, the, the considerations of that one picture plane. So my, I remember in art school, you know, growing up, you remember sitting in the movie theater and a big Star Destroyer comes in overhead. Yeah. And you're all this really small thing. And there's this big giant thing. And then in art school, I learned about painter, Dutch painter, Jacob van Roysdale, who had these, you know, sort of rural scenes with big, giant, titanic clouds over the top. There's light on one side, dark on the other. And there's this little person here. I mean, there's no difference between that and the opening of, of, of a movie, and it's kind of like we're so small and the universe is so big. And that is the those that's the foundation of my concerns. That's what invited me to be to inquiry and what I was excited about. Uh-huh. And so you know, a, a, um, uh, Godzilla attacking Japan to me is the same as a tornado taking out a Walmart. You know, and it's uh, and the and, the, and the tornado is it's also real. Yeah, and it's, and it's pretty distinctly American. They can happen anywhere, but it's very American, and uh, people can, unfortunately, relate to it.
0: Well, there's a bizarre sophistication to it. So you would think, just by wording that, that it would look cartoony. It would mm-hmm. look.
1: That that's a great point. Um, I think I very much am very much concerned with taking something that is specifically stupid. Yeah, and 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 achieving. And the ones that I think work achieving some success by way of tethering the stupidity into, oh, um, tethering it with uh, classical, traditional, right, realistic um, that's, concerns. Yeah, that's the uh, space, spatial articulation. Oh, yeah, the lighting. Um, getting, making sure something, an element, you know, if there's a dog in the corner, make sure it looks like. You know, if you know, like okay, that's a dog. It's not an attempt at a dog. You 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 do take all your training to anchor everything into enough reality that someone might accept the big stupid element that's in there. Yeah. And so, so maybe and so maybe and maybe you impart some gravity to idiocy. <laughs> <laughs> and and if and uh, that's what I like. That's exactly something...
0: right. Yeah, the the gravity towards the idiotic scene yeah. that is. But there's something so compelling about the figures, certainly the the men the the, the back facade of, of a man witnessing the scene or the child. it's like, oh,
1: we've all had days like this kind of <laughs> Oh, shoot that, that uh, you talk, you mentioned uh, an octopus on a house Is yeah. a, a painting right And I was making some work for uh, I was lucky enough to have a show at the National Academy of Sciences uh-huh. a lot of large tornado paintings and they needed it fine. You know, they needed a couple more than I had. And I, I was like, well, I, you know, I got to put a couple more together. Yeah. But in me, I was kind of done. And I had a, a blank canvas to my right on the wall. And I literally took the paint I was using for the one dark moody twister in uh-huh. the sky. Yeah. And I started just painting this house with an octopus on it. Uh-huh. And and some guy coming home with this, like, oh, that's it. I can't yep. even rest here. I got nope. That's it. And it's about resignation And surrender and just give up. Go have a drink. Maybe your kids are in the house. Maybe it'll eat them. Sure. And but you really can't do much about it. So go have a whiskey or something. (laughs) And um, oh, but for that thing. And then, but what engages? What also what engages you is this this amazing amazing animal. Uh, I went to. I was like, I need an octopus, and I needed a perfect house, and I went and I found the perfect kind of every house that was specifically that house. And it had uh, the street lamp in the right place. Where? Give me your secrets. And, um, Where do you find these? Oh, I drove around for two or three days. And yeah. this was in, it's in southern San Gabriel. Okay. And uh, I need it to be facing north. So the sunset was uh-huh. behind. The street lamp, I moved over by about 15 feet. I photographed it, made a foam core model of it. Wow. At, uh, you know, maybe uh, inch to foot. And then I was like, I have to go to you know a fish market, find a dead octopus the right size. And. Wow. Put it over the top and, you know, see what I can do and look at it. I did that. But of course, since the animal is dead, it looks, you know, when you put it on there, it looks like someone just threw up on the house. Yeah. And so how do you animate it? How do you get it to the point where it looks like some areas are... Are, are engorged with intent. So in this the is traditional
0: media to its core. You're not doing Photoshop. You're literally building these things, working from life, lighting it from life.
1: Oh, yeah, you, you, you have to. Yeah. And then also, it's like, how does one of these animals move? When it's out of the water, maybe I watched 20 or 30 videos. It has one arm forward to search and feel. Um arms, almost like wheels, like two to either side, which sort of move forward and three arms back to keep yeah. track of what's behind it. And I, or that sort of pattern was in everything I saw. And I was like, huh. So I arranged it that way. I even took a syringe and injected parts of the dead animal with water to wow. expand them up and sort of glue it up and put the right lights on it. Um, at first, the fish market sold me an animal that was maybe you know, it was all bound up in ice. And I said, I needed one about two feet long. Oh. And the guy just, he had a cigarette there right next to the fish counter. And he's all, <laughs> eh, mm-hmm, eh, eh, eh. he didn't even, never said, a ed- whole transaction. He just goes, eh, uh. eh, eh. and so I brought it home and put it in the sink to defrost it while I went into work on another piece. And, uh. It came out, and the animal was probably four and a half feet long. No. And I, yeah, and it was all dripped out toward, uh, over, uh, over the sink, and I felt bad for wasting this gorgeous creature, but I, but I didn't. I ended up photographing that and a smaller one, and got different information off of both. Oh, wow. And then when I was done. I think I left it on a hydrant in Altadena. Uh-
0: <laughs> so- I'm so glad you brought up your process because I was reading your bio, a great read, by the way. It's so funny how it kind of rambles on. I implore everybody to check out your website and read your bio. You,
1: oh, if you want rambling, read me. Yeah.
0: I <laughs> thought that you went to Pasadena or or maybe even Cad. but I know you teach there. But it surprised me that you studied with Underway and Tebow Davis, mm-hmm. and you're the first person I've ever really spoken to has done that and and you have a great quote in your bio to this day I still maintain I learned to paint in a single day mm-hmm. from Wayne Tebow mm-hmm. so what did he you, you explain about a four and a half hour demo that he did and he just set up like a a direct painting exercise of a flower
1: yeah there was um, at UC Davis we you know you put, there's basically the two semesters you know uh, uh you know fall on one side and then spring on the backside of Christmas. And so how I remember many years, coming in. How many
0: years ago, by the way? Was, um, I, know, I went Davis, roughly
1: like 86 to 91. Okay. And this is in, I think, the New Year's 87. Go in there and maybe a third class of the semester, he set up a little glass jar with a flower in it. And, um, you know, we, we'd attempted a couple things. He says, okay, I'm going to teach you. I can't Tell you how to paint like everybody, I can show you how I do it. Yeah. And we're gonna operate from that because it's the only only my only frame of reference. And but the thing is he went into and this this is this is something that's hard, this is a to get across to a class. Um he he addressed working with the materials, um, how much paint thinner you use to pigment, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. You put very little on there, you know, it looks like a watercolor. Um, you put too much down, you know, it's too thick. So he address viscosity. And a lot of people in their demos oh, yeah. don't address viscosity. But everyone starts with, if you want to paint like Sargent, let's say, a yeah, lot of yeah, people yeah. like doing a head study, they start with a dark delineated wash. And Sargent started using black. He modeled it with black. Yeah. That's in charcoal and then black paint. And But it was a dark delineated wash, very thin. Uh-huh over which you can put, you know, local dark colors and then come on up uh-huh. into brights. Tebow, despite what you see with all those neon colors, yeah. does the same thing. But he uh-huh. starts with a very thin kind of watery yellow, cad yellow light, maybe lemon yellow indication, maybe corrects that drawing with a sort of orange pass, very slow, very contemplative. And then maybe some red, and then maybe uh, put some lines in with alizarin, and then use that original yellow to sort of fix those lines. And then you go over it again with some greens and blues. Mm. And the colors, all these different colors will eventually mix. So you end up with a kind of rainbow-like delineated wash. It's still a dark delineated wash like Sargent, except okay. Tebow's is color-infused. No, I hope
0: none of my students are listening to this because I teach the exact opposite. I do light over dark, thick over thin, get in your darkest darks and your coolest furs because the oil paint, you know, how do you, how do you paint your darks back into those thick cadmium lemon-type colors? But he... Just through the nuance of the paint and and the time that he executed it, he was he, his direct painting method was, I guess, unique to to whatever you have seen before, and and that was that
1: for you, or it's well, just that seeing how he arrived at it, dark delineated map, uh-huh. and then putting the local colors into it, dark to light, in the one day I was able to follow that methodology. It was almost like step one, step two, step sure. three, step four, step five. And at the end, you know, and he says, "I can't tell you how to make it interesting, but I can tell you how to go. There's a cat. Put right. the cat on the canvas. Right. Go like I have me a cat."
0: And you're so process oriented, I could tell that that clicked for you. It was like it, give it's almost me down to a second nature. The process gave me, yeah. And 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 I I have my second nature sort of block in technique that I do regardless. I have the same palette usually, and I always block in my paintings the same way. So that's just imperative, and for you to,
1: to have gotten that. From him. I still use his palette, and I've added just more oh, browns God. on tell the left. tell me what it is. Tell me it's, what it is. Oh, his... his <laughs> I'm writing it down oh, no, right it, now. no, it's, it's pretty simple, and I've, I have it listed out here and there. But it's just, you know, the three cad yellows. Well, I, I do cad lemon, cad yellow really? medium, cad yellow dark. Okay. And then the three reds, and then an alizarin. I use cobalt blue, ultramarine blue. Oh, God. And then the Winsor-Newton sap green is great. Okay. Uh, it's like a hooker's green. Yeah. And then an olive green dark, which is amazing. Uh, um. Imagine if you were to... It looks like black, but it when you mix black, it with yeah. white, you just almost get the silvery green on the back of a eucalyptus leaf. Yeah. Uh, the three thalos, which you know, includes a you know, phthalo rose or quinacridone, titanium white, then raw sienna, burnt sienna, yellow ochre, and burnt umber. That's the whole palette. Occasional well, is black.
0: The, the whole palette, yeah.
1: Um, he didn't use black. I uh-huh. use it on occasion to monkey with things, but that's it. But um, I would... Shoot, people ask me some color questions in class i never took a color theory class right and if someone said what do you discuss in color theory i well i think that fire engine's red and i think the sky's blue yeah. that's what i fear i can't i I, 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 come, I come out of as much objectivity as i can yeah. muster, but i can't i can't talk about it very well but yeah when i see a paintbrush i look at a paintbrush and i go well that will provide me freedom that will facilitate my ideas yeah i came out of a film background but if i look at a camera. To me, that's an obstacle to my idea. Sure. So I never ended up going down that route.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's just fascinating stuff. Did you graduate from Davis or mm-hmm. did you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I With went, an art degree. Yes. I, I went, I relaxed and went five years. The last year uh, during the, no, it's last year, second to last year. I interned at the George Lucas, you know, industrial light and magic mm-hmm. facility. I tried to do school and George and ILM at the same time, but that kind of, that kind of wow. fell apart. Uh, and, and so
0: that was that was a goal of yours and just being a lifelong Star Wars fan
1: and yeah you wanted you want to go work for George Lucas uh-huh. and I was interning in the creature shop and I stayed on a little after that. Um, and I still keep up with some of the people there but it's um, you know again you're, it's it's sometimes you felt like if you were doing the monsters, you were doing someone else's ideas yeah, and if you were designing them you were delegating the fabrication to someone else right. And now they type them in. You know, oh, so the yeah. clay and mold making that you enjoyed is not even an element anymore. It's it's a weird thing. I mean, it's wonderful, wonderful stuff that comes out, but. Um, so you, you learned you, pretty you early
0: just, on that it wasn't exactly what you had in mind, or. Was, the,
1: yeah, you get there, and you're like, "Well, this part's great. This part over here, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I
0: don't know." Yeah, yeah. In the early '90s, I don't know much about it, but it, it probably nothing like it is now so was it was it just crazy down there or was it uh, was it manageable was At, it I, I lucas
1: um there uh the shop was a little quiet when i came uh-huh. in cuz they were winding down from a couple things i got there they were done making i think uh just finishing ghostbusters 2 and joe versus the volcano oh wow and then uh, hunt for About october i remember I was one of the first Things I did there was help put the models away for the, the submarine models for Hunt for Red October. I was like, okay, interesting. So
0: that also probably and informed your current work now with making three D models and.
1: I could, I could, um, I could always do models. Uh-huh. That's kind of why I went there, and I and I can do the you know sculpt monsters and mold make and make eyes and teeth and so on. And I I was relatively up to speed on that. I would have mm-hmm. gotten better and faster, you know. I watched people there do the same sculpture four times over and you know in one day. To, to get different, you know, facial appliances. And it's just dazzling how fast they worked.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, it was, it was, uh, it was interesting. And uh, out in the creature shop was great because they had their own little sort of, they were off to the side. Uh-huh. And, and the the humor was intense and dark and just, you know, these artists would go home and work on crazy stuff and come in and make monsters and wonderfully jaded. And, uh-huh. <laughs> and it was very trying for a, a naive kid going like, oh, I love Darth Vader. And they are like, have a seat, you know?
0: Yeah. Or like here,
1: or go insu- or go insulate the, the insulate the crawl space above the art department, oh, okay. which I did. I had a, <laughs> I had a hazmat suit on. I was insulating the crawl space. And then now your... come down. We'll show you how to like cast one of these things up. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I and can that see is. that. No, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. They, uh, T- some yeah, of those people are. Some of those people are so talented, though, went back there.
0: I'm sure, I'm sure. And so, did you grow up down here, or what made you come back down here, or? Yeah, what?
1: born in. Yeah, I was born, raised, uh, born in Pasadena. But when I was two days old, I moved to South Pasadena and was there all the way till uh, college. Went to uh, Davis, basically uh-huh. five years, and then came back to South Pasadena. Uh-huh. And uh, that's been my permanent address, except for the last. Four or five years, okay. and I'm just east of town now. But I'm from the area, yeah.
0: Right, and so do you, do you so you made your way back down to Southern California, and mm-hmm. and uh, what what were you doing? Like, what what was your job I, uh, after?
1: I uh, I was all set up to tackle a career in special effects. Uh-huh. Uh huh. This is you might this you might find this interesting. I remember being in the Lucasfilm Creature Shop during lunch one day when or someone walked through just before lunch and said. If anyone is interested, we're going to hold some seminars during lunch for the next few weeks for anyone who wants to learn computer imagery and uh, 3D computer modeling. Yeah. And for free, people who are working there could come in and take these seminars during and people would raise their hands and sign up. Of course. Those are the ones who have a job today. And the other ones who, I mean, this woman came through with a clipboard, said, who wants to learn computer imaging? And it was that, I remember that day at Lucasfilm and yeah. I'm, I'm you know i'm not going to sign it it yeah, pertained to me
0: yeah i started art school in 1998 uh, and the, the the divide had already been it, the whole school it was basically 80% computer animation by then and and then of course i was squeezed into the uh, more traditional fine arts and i tried I tried the, I just can not even turn a computer on in 1998. I just was like,
1: wow. Part of it's against like, like the, it's like the paintbrush. I look at it. And I'm like, I can get my idea out. Exactly. I look, I look at the computer or if I look at the camera, I cannot. So that's it. So, 100%. but after, yeah, after yeah. school, I was like, dang, what do I do? I'm like, dad, what? Um, I, uh, I, uh, shit, he's like. Yeah. I, it's like, Well, you can come back home as long as you're working at it. You yeah. can come back home. So I moved back home. And then uh, was keeping my foot in the door, special effects-wise, exploring that. But I'm like, what am I going to do? So I started taking portrait commissions, which is a direct road to suicide. And so I'm like, uh-oh. I am like uh oh i want to advise it, yeah. (laughs) I'm like painting this little baby on here on grandma's lap. Right. Is... yeah, I, I, here, I turn it in and then you go and you just like, you know, sure. go to a film studio. I'm like, can I clean your floors? You know, anything. So I just yeah, ran away from that and started doing my weirder paintings on the side uh-huh. for myself. Yep. And usually overnight, I'd start like 10 p.m. and work till about sunrise to stay out of everyone's hair. And they started to accumulate. And yeah. my mom's like, it's too much stuff. Put them in a gallery. There's a bunch of crap here. And she's nice about it. She says a bunch of crap in a nice way. And um, I didn't quite know what to do so I went okay and I entered just one Mm -hmm. in a contest I Mm -hmm. knew I'm like this is an adept painting someone's gonna look at it and I got you know there's a contest I didn't win but a couple galleries called and said hey who are you what is this and so I started really getting a gallery show that way no it's local stuff Uh uh-huh and And hanging Paintings up in a coffee shop and selling them out of the coffee shop. I was, yeah. People like you want to, I'm like, you want to buy that? like, like, can I? I'm like, yeah. What
0: what was the first gallery you got into? The first real gallery?
1: Uh, What does real mean?
0: (laughs) Not a coffee shop. (laughs) uh,
1: Not not a coffee shop. Okay. Um, There was, uh, there was a little gallery that mainly showed the, california impressionist landscapes uh-huh. like the colorado street bridge and then yeah. so on called taraj gallery at california and fair oaks and very much salon style hanging big oh, cattle yeah. call and uh there's some good people i mean people even michael husser showed there yeah and yeah. A, a great uh, little landscape studies of uh, uh, frank serrano and uh, david Gallup, and uh uh uh-huh. those people were there we kind of it was like it was weird. People yeah. I was already acquainted with passing through here. Yeah, and um, run by a guy who's extremely knowledgeable about uh, art history. He grew up going to the Brooklyn Museum and to the Met like all the right. time. Right. Yeah. And uh, from there, um, you know, other you know other galleries. If they notice someone selling, they go, "What are you doing? That's interesting. Come yeah. over here." A uh, little bit Mendenhall Gallery, right. used to be an old town Pasadena.
0: Right. I love that gallery. Yeah.
1: yeah, that was the last big gallery in Pasadena. Uh-huh. And their last show was a Michael Husser show. Uh-huh. Big, giant, big, gorgeous show. And then he, uh, he hung it up after that, the gallery did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember that. And then Sue Greenwood was after uh uh-huh. Taraj, and then Arcadia, Steve Diamond at Arcadia Contemporary Great. after that.
0: So it's kind of come full circle for you now. And uh, you're, you're having this major solo exhibition in your hometown.
1: Well, yeah, but as uh, the funny thing is, like you know, oh, let's get a gallery in New York or on the West Side, and then, right, and then Steve moves to down. down Steve, the you can you. you can see from where the show's going to open on the fifteenth. Yeah, if you walk about, let's say hundred feet down to the corner, yeah, you can see the hospital I was born in. That's so,
0: how close it is. I mean, it was made in the stars for you. It's really, it's <laughs> yeah. just really crazy. It's just, and, and you know the the just, no
1: shipping costs. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's the convenience of, uh, and, and you know, it just seems like with his new space, you were really pinpointed to have uh, to have this show now, and and uh, I'm just so thrilled for you that it's happening. Oh, it yeah, it's just cool. I can't yeah. wait to see it. It's uh,
1: yeah, I, <laughs>
0: and I haven't seen. I and, and I'm just excited to see the paintings. I mean, I haven't seen anything, so I'm just. I'm just desperate to see what you've come up with, as there's, I'm sure everybody is.
1: There are things, there are things that you know. That you're like, oh, I remember that kind of thing that you Yeah. Did. And have you seen any of these things where there's even, uh, even have drawings in the sky?
0: Yeah, the the kind of big lizard or the big Godzilla guy, and uh, the kind of naive childlike drawing. Yeah, some of it? that. There's I love that.
1: probably there's I think four images in there with. Um, mm-hmm. Like and that those. comes from a, a kind of abandon. I mean, I think in a, you know, people you make a painting so good and so serious and so right. so oh uh, forgetting that maybe, you know, fuck it is also a color, yeah. You know, yeah. And 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 I remember listening, uh, not deliberately, but I was waiting for someone to get off the phone. Uh, turned out to be with uh, Roy Lichtenstein. She was crying like I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. And he's like, Don't quit. You're doing it right. And he said, Have you ever seen? paintings by people with no doubt. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's that's a very interesting quote. She was telling me afterward, "Oh, he asked this wonderful question." <laughs> but I was like, I was watching TV, and this woman was just crying on the phone with Roy Lichtenstein for an hour. I wish I'd listened more, listened more closely.
0: Well, so, uh, do you teach now currently? Are you I I, I took
1: time off. I just uh, I couldn't last semester. Right. I'm, I might be mentoring some MFA students in the program they have down there. At LCAD? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, hopefully exciting. I'll go back and start teaching the. every spring they run landscape. And I like doing that. Yeah. Um, they say, you're good at landscapes. I'm like, well, I, I have landscapes in some pieces I've done. But yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll come off of that maybe. <laughs> and what's
0: your approach teaching? Do you do you teach exactly the way you were taught by Tebow? Or do you have sort of a, a system that has been employed by the university or is a little combination
1: of both? The school definitely talks about what they want to get across and where the students are at that point in the curriculum. And then you find out that the students don't entirely adhere to that schedule and they come in from all sorts of directions. So each class is going to gel differently. I definitely start with a bit of an overview and the next day is a bit of a demo. Right. Um, what suffers in, a, in any art class is long track painting. You notice in art school here, you know, I could do a painting today, maybe one or two days. Sure. So I like to have them doing a study or two or three, and you know, maybe one day. Oh, But yeah. then maybe have something that goes, five or six, mm-hmm. that completely dries, and then you can put a, a wash of something over it and scrape some things off and then reestablish it. And to, to a lot of them, it's like two different classes. But uh, I'm it's, like, well, you need to you need to have both of those. So they...
0: Things. They're just much more interested in more of an alla prima, you-get-a-painting-done-every-day style.
1: There's, I think a lot of that kind of painting does get Uh pushed at the school, not by design, but just because of some of the people working there sometimes. Yeah. Also, in earlier classes, they're coming from more fundamental classes. You're not going to, you know, just, just try a painting for two or three days. Yeah. And then maybe as you go on, I'm like, okay, let's try one for two or three months. And they're like, I oh, that, that, that. Yeah, no, them, I,
0: I, I, have had, I had the same experience in art school when I was uh, studying with Ming Wu for uh, eight-week poses, figurative, mm-hmm. which I, I'm lousy at. I, it was overwhelming for me to work on something for eight weeks. I just couldn't do it. The but, first two weeks were great for me. I would block it all in. I would boom, boom, boom. I'd use the big brushes. But then, man.
1: Well, uh, a word that comes to mind is... Uh, cultivation. Something that I think is, and even in my classes, going back, there's only so much you can do. People, students are not taught cultivation.
0: Uh-huh. Uh, wait, here's how to it, start, here's exactly how to finish it. What do you it. mean by that? Just, just a, the process of...
1: How do, you, how do you come up with reasons or address reasons or include all the reasons anyone should delay pulling the trigger? On something you know you want to put that little white dot in the puppy's eyes so you know yeah. looks all mine don't put don't put it there don't put it there yeah even <laughs> uh sergeant um uh, people you know students will come up to john singer sergeant and say i want to paint people i want to paint the head i want to paint portraits and he said okay um do this and then come back to me paint a head I don't want to see any eyes, any eye color, any eyebrow. Just this—the shape Mm -hmm. of the contours. No nostrils, no lip color. Just Mm -hmm. the ins and outs of the form, and uh, nothing else. If you can do that, then uh, then we'll talk. And which is great because a lot of people are like, "What?" and I just sort of face plant. But um, all
0: right, one more technical. Not
1: not not pulling the trigger. How do you do that? Yeah, I the patience of
0: building up, cultivating the painting. It's, it's a great lesson. I, I I myself have to constantly remind myself about that. And you mentioned a wash. I refer to it as glazing. Mm-hmm. And I know when I look at your paintings, I could, I, the first thing I notice is how the, lots of those mid-tones are pushed back and then you, boom, you really pop out the lights. Not in the traditional like chiaroscuro way, but more in this, glazing way and can you share some secrets about your you mentioned washing but do you use specific colors for for that process
1: of glazing yeah yeah the glazing being the 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 art term for it basically taking a translucent transparent dark color Uh thinning it out and you take your painting you lay it flat you know down on the ground And if anyone goes to a museum, you look at a Rembrandt, let's say, and you see it looks like sort of dark, dirty water at the backs of the crevices in the paint, right? Right. Because he takes it, puts it down, then takes a mix of thinner and oil and a transparent color. And yeah, you go over either the entire thing with a blanket glaze or knock down things that are too bright and have a lot of texture there maybe to take advantage of and sweep over those and let the painting dry flat on its back Mm -hmm. overnight so all those darks go to the recesses. Of those little tiny valleys the next day or whatever when it's dry you pick it up and then you know on a microscopic level in a sense you sort of hit the mountaintops yeah of the of that textured paint and you get just these little small areas of depth that oh, yeah. activate a little better um the colors i use there's van dyke brown but seemed a little uh was a, I don't know how do you say it. i don't mean thinness but an insubstantial quality to the okay. paint. I like to mix ultramarine blue and burnt umber. Yeah. And if you want the the glaze to be cooler, there's more blue in it. If you want uh-huh. it to be warmer, just put more umber into uh-huh. it. Uh-huh. Um, on occasion, I'll use even black glazing. Okay. What well, black? Um, just the ivory black. Oh,
0: okay.
1: Uh, Richard Bunkall, if you know Art Center, oh, yeah. he used a lot of black washes and glazes over right. his paintings.
0: Yeah. I... I would look at those, and, and my first guess would be Payne's gray, but um, but the you black...
1: Mean, you mean Bunkall's work?
0: Yeah, or, or even yours, not necessarily the burnt... Well, I do see the brown in your work quite a bit, and I was thinking it was more of a warmer, like red oxide mixed with ultramarine blue, but I'm... I'm...
1: There's also, I mean, there'll be a, a permanent crimson will be in there. Yeah. Or an olive green or a phthalo green glaze; oh, those yeah, are yeah. all in that. Shoot, there's a painting I did that was um, is a it's a rocket ship on a planet, and a, you look at the base of it, yeah. and there's a bunch of guys putting up like real estate signs. Yeah, and I love that one. Like a timeshare <laughs> yeah. pitch or something. That particular landscape in there, I painted in an almost sort of um, bright magenta, um, alizarin base, knowing that when I put a phthalo green uh-huh. glaze over it, it uh-huh. was going to knock back to this dull purple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was to watch the whole landscape change over to just sort of grayish purple. But it's mixed totally of alizarin and phthalo. And to get those two playing off one, against one another, you know, keeps it from being so um, chalky black and white. We, you could,
0: talk, we could talk shop all, yeah. you know, we could all afternoon. But I got to revert back to our non painter listeners there might be a few out there yeah. and because you're truly you're one of the first guests i've had here where i'm just like tell me more because we have we we have a different background but we we have similar mm-hmm. aesthetics especially with like the the light and uh so on and so forth and we've had a we show obviously in similar places um so you'll hopefully get back into teaching you've you've taken the time off to set up the show any hints other than than the monsters in in the background is there a, is there a theme overall theme for the show or is it just it's, uh it, the new body of work
1: it's sort of a, it's uh some of where i'm coming from uh uh-huh. and then some of where i'm headed there's you know, a cup of some giant monsters there's some tornadoes there's uh and um, more artificial spaces. Definitely looking at things like stage sets, okay, faker trees, uh, faker monsters, and sort of people who are more defeated, inhabiting a kind of fakery. You know, maybe just sort of a kind of, kind of vibe that comes in as you age. I guess. Yeah. You're like, wait, oh, Christmas again? We're not. Oh, okay. Uh, so yes. we just repeat. All right. Okay. You know, and you could watch the younger people who coming and all still excited, and you're like, <sighs> yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, right? Good. Yeah, that
0: <laughs> that yeah that that stage set kind of yeah. vibe is is so powerful because it's exactly that. It's like this, it's fake, and it, and it's so poignant for this town because that's really what what it is here. It's we put up these facades. There's a lot of greediness and realness behind it, but certainly. This is just merely a facade. And if you throw a wet octopus on it, yeah, like, hey, honey, I'm
1: home. Well, you talk about, I mean, this is called I Hate L.A. And I don't, you know, having lived here most all of my time, you know, I've traveled, you know, go to Europe, do this, do that. Yeah. Um, It's... Hearing back from people who've come into town, uh-huh. who have come to know, who are from other places about L.A., it's just so freaking weird, you know. And then you have this, uh, without Instagram and other such things having come about, I don't think so many people will be moving to L.A. It's almost like there's been a, a sort of renewal of the, Yeah, no, I'm going to move out there to be an artist or in the movies or something sort of thing. Yeah, we can We're, blame Instagram. That's so, oh, no, in, in, no, but, I mean, a cell phone oh, yeah. is... Um, I mean, yeah, you can use it as a phone and you can use it to see things, but it basically is a coveting rectangle. It teaches you mainly, I think, to covet. That's what it is. 100%. And it's, um, you look up and see who's having more fun than you, where they oh, are, God. and then you go there so that everyone is moving to something like six places on the planet as opposed to, to 2,500 different places on We're the
0: planet. We're all warriors and, and, and the... the The big, yeah, and LA experiences it a lot. Oh, it's so voyeurous, and it always has been, but now it is, yeah, in the palm of your hand. How satiable these experiences seem to be: the weather, the food, the arts, the culture, the diversity, the people, and yeah, everybody, everybody wants a piece. And and your work seems to comment on that indirectly and it has this postmodern mood where you have the every man the the the, the every man the every joe who is just placed there in this whole messed up fantasy world that we're all living in and that's why it was so adamant on having you on because i just was so compelled by the work i'm so excited to see the new work and i just want as many people to see it because it truly speaks to to the la experience and the times
1: that we're an, in do well, i have a new character who see i keep coming back to not I just she shows up um is uh and there's a guy too is a very 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 old person with a walker yeah someone again i want someone who's totally invisible yeah and um, they're going around and inhabiting at the base of these monsters uh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. doing this other stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, looking at a 91-year-old woman walking down the street with the with the help of one of these things. Yep. And you're like, oh, yeah, okay, well, let me get around her and continue what I'm doing. Yeah. So she's, I think, that character's in maybe four of the images. Oh, wow. Yeah, and you can hear it going... Eh. I One of them is kind of like a game over. You know when you finish a video game? Mm-hmm. You know, you die <laughs> and then, ah, And it says game over and there's like a big thing burning and there's like a little character at the bottom <laughs> yeah. just going, e-, walking across, like That's quietly her. leaving yeah. the screen after you're dead. I have something like that. This woman walking, you know, with her walker, with her two poodles and there's a, you know, on a stage set and there's a giant scorpion crushing a police car in back with fire coming up. And it literally says "game over" on the screen.
0: Oh, I love it. So it's uh, the perfect allegorical last, final tip of your of the work. I I end every podcast with asking my guest, "What is your ideal day in LA?" Ideal day
1: no, yeah. in LA. Um, ideal day is uh, waking up to um, uh, after sufficient sleep. Waking up to um, some rain and uh and and it goes on you have coffee sort of look and collect what you want to do uh and and get excited being excited about the ideas you're going to pursue if you're lucky enough to be painting go outside the sky's clearing it's just puffy white clouds and bright blue everything's wet and green and you go uh, to some place where you turn on the radio everyone you know and care about is safe and doing their thing and and you have food to eat, and you can sit down and maybe contemplate some ideas that might catch for that day. Um, yeah, and and you can work, you know, work and into the evening, and then go see people you enjoy. That's my ideal day. It probably happens about three times a year. or uh, so, yeah, <laughs> maybe
0: the perfect. Just,
1: just and in a good year, it happens five five days a year. <laughs> oh, I love it. And it's centered
0: it's, around your work and just the the clouds well, that, you, and... that
1: you get to contemplate. explore. I think anyone, and we all do it to some degree. I think everyone wants to contemplate and explore, you know, where we're from, where we're going, what's out there and so on. And people who don't have the opportunity, um, I like teaching because maybe I can help uh, facilitate that. But if they don't have the opportunity, they come up with things like chemtrails and there you are. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. Which are made out of water. (laughs) (laughs) Next episode. The, The back of planes.
0: Well, John, the show opens September 15th Mm -hmm. at Arcadia's new location. It is in Old Town, Pasadena. It's on Colorado.
1: Yes, you go basically on the north side of Colorado, about two or three doors down from Fair Oaks, or two or three doors east of Fair Oaks. Got it. Mm -hmm. And what time? It's opening on, uh, it's Saturday, September 15th, uh, 6 to 9 p.m. All right, you'll be there. Uh, I hope to. You better be there. I promise I will shower.
0: It's <laughs> John Brosio, and this is I hate LA. Guys, thanks so much again for tuning in and downloading this episode of I Hate LA with John Brozio. If you guys want to hit me up, have any questions, have any suggestions who should be on the show, just check me out at scottyeskel.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-S-K-E-L.com. There is a little form at the bottom of my homepage that you could hit me up, email me. I love the feedback. Go ahead and comment and uh, subscribe as well as give us a a, a like a thumbs up on on iTunes and all that really appreciate you guys the season two it's gonna be amazing thanks so much for sticking around checking it out and I'll see you next episode